Saving God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. God's doing a new thing. What is the new thing? What is the new wine that is to be put in new wine skins? Is it Pentecost? Or is there something far, far greater that's just ahead before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, the day of the Lord Jesus? Well, we're going to take a look at that today. Join with us in the podcast. We simply keep going by your generous offerings that are tax deductible. And we thank each of you that have, uh, through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Ghost, uh, sent us of your offerings. Thank you. Thank you so much. That allows us to keep the podcast on the air. What is the new thing? What is God doing now? What is the present flowing truth of the Word of God from the throne of God? That man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. As we talk about the newborn babes, that is the beginning. That begins your walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't stay there. The newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. We're not going to stay babies forever. We're not going to stay in just one verse saying we're saved, sanctified, and on our way to heaven. But we are to grow up into him in all things. Faith is the substance of things. And growing up into him in all things is all truth, which is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The faith that we're going to see are those things which must shortly come to pass in the revelation of Jesus Christ. We find that in Revelation 1, verse 1. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it, sealed it by his angel unto John. Now, John was on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the faith that was once delivered to the saints, showing the servants of God those things which must shortly come to pass. Those things are the things of faith that were earnestly to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. God's doing it now. As we see iniquity, evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, heady, high-minded, truth-breakers, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We're seeing it in these last days. But the good news is that there's a work, the work of the ministry. It's a strange work. God to bring, bring to pass his strange act. What is that? What is this work of the ministry? That is a very strange work. And bringing to pass his act is strange act, which we're all in the body of Christ are called to do. We find that in Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. You see, God hath provided some better things for us, that is, the present body of Christ, that they, all those that died in the faith, having never received the promise, without us, the ones that are coming unto perfection to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, should not be made perfect. <clears throat> so when God perfects the body of Christ and the harvest has come to the full, Jesus will put in the sickle and reap his harvest into his garner, into his barn. Well, before that time comes, there is a great work, and that's a strange work. We see in Isaiah 28 about this work. He said there the Lord will rise to do his work, his strange work, and his act, to bring to pass this act, this strange act. Judgment will he lay to the line, righteousness to the plummet. Paul said that you might all know the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. Well, the height of Christ is that he's God. Christ is that spirit. 
Christ is the Father of glory. He is El Shaddai Elohim. He is Jehovah. He is the Tetragrammaton, the yod He is Yahweh. He is God. That's the height. And we know that because Peter said so in 1 Peter 10, 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. It states there that the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come to us, searching what or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ that was in them. That's a capital S. Christ is that Spirit. There's only one Spirit. One body, one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who is above of all, Father of us all, and in us all, the Father of glory. God, who is the Word, who is that Spirit. God is a Spirit. Well, Christ in the height, the height of Christ, in His glory, He's God. He is that Spirit. First Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, so states, though, by the epistle of Peter. But then he goes on, when it testified beforehand, when it signified beforehand the sufferings, the sufferings of Christ. Now, Christ is that spirit. He's God Almighty. He is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. That is Christ, the spirit. But then to know the depth of Christ, the depth of Christ is that he humbled himself to the death, the death of the cross. How did, how did the Lord do that? Well, Jesus, who being in the form of God, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Nobody's equal with God except God himself. All his attributes, his majesty, his glory, his dignity. Made himself of no reputation. God made himself here in glory. He's the spirit of God made it of no himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. How low did he go? We need to know the depth of Christ. Well, the height, he's the spirit. What's the depth? The depth that he is the man, Christ Jesus, the man totally emptied out of glory to work salvation as our kinsman redeemer. How did he do it? Jesus, who being in the form of God, Morpha, an eternal state forever, eternal world without end, being in the form of God, spirit, made himself of no reputation, he takes aside his glory and lays it aside, just like the high priest did in the Leviticus 16th chapter. The high priest laid off his gar garments of glory and beauty and took upon him the linen garments, becoming one with the people of Israel. He's literally offering on their behalf, not for himself only, but all of Israel after the high priest has literally taken all of the sacrifices and offered them the blood sprinkled seven times upon the mercy seat the goats two goats go to Azazel <clears throat> a scapegoat and after he has completed all offerings on Yom Kippur on the day of atonement then and only then he comes out of the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, into the sanctuary, the holy place, where we have uh, the garments of glory and beauty where he had laid them aside. <clears throat> he takes off the linen garments, never to be worn again, and puts back on the garments of glory and beauty. Our great high priest did the same for us. <clears throat> Jesus, being our great high priest, made himself of no reputation, became one with us, our kinsman redeemer. Made in under the law. Made of a woman. Made in under the law, Galatians 4, verse 4. 
and then became one of us to fulfill his own law. Tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And he knew that who he knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Not the righteousness of the law, which is our own self righteousness, but the righteousness of God by faith. The height, he's God. The depth, he became a man. How? He made himself of no reputation, humbled himself. It's a kenosis. And then took upon him the form of a servant, form morph again in an eternal state, the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself even to the death, the death of the cross. There in his Depth, the depth of Christ. He is a man. Not a God-man, a man. Emptied out of glory, made of no reputation to fulfill the law as a man like you and me, our kinsman, redeemer. Then what? What's the length and width of Christ? Well, after he dies, buried, and the resurrection, then he's glorified with the Father's own self, just as the Old Testament high priest took off the garments of glory and beauty, took on the linen garments, then worked all the sacrifices for Israel and for himself, then went back into the sanctuary, the holy place, took off the linen garments, put back on the garments of glory and beauty. The Lord made himself of no reputation, humbled himself, become one of us, death, burial, and resurrection, then was glorified back to the glory of God's own self, the Father's own self. John 17, 5. Jesus stated in the Garden of Gethsemane, O Holy Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory I had with you before the world was. Well, the glory you laid aside after he worked salvation for us in his low, humble estate as our kinsman and redeemer, emptied out of glory as a man. Why? Because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. God can't die a spirit. So he makes of himself of no reputation, not working as spirit, to become a man, to take on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men, found in fashion as a man. After that death, burial, and resurrection, then he's glorified back with the Father's own self. All power in heaven and earth given unto him. They, that same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. He is the blessed and only potentate. First Timothy six fifteen and 16. Who only hath immortality? That potentates the omnipotent, the almighty. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. And now he has given it, his spirit, sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the spirit of Christ is the spirit of the Father, the spirit of the Son. There's only one spirit. That is Jesus Christ. How does it work? That's the length and width of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So therefore, the height, depth, length, and width of Christ reveals Jesus as the only Christ, the eternal God, who is our Savior, our Redeemer. We find that in Isaiah 43.10, Thus saith the Lord, And my servant whom I have chosen. Well, certainly it sounds like that there's two or maybe another person. Well, to the natural mind, it sounds that way, but we have to believe God in the revelation given to us of the Holy ghost who alone will lead us into guide us into all truth. Can't lean to our own understanding. Can't lean to our own intellect. We must believe God. Isaiah 43, 10 very states plainly. Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah God almighty, Yahweh, 
the Tetragrammaton, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See, now that I, even I am God, and beside me there's no other Savior. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. Therefore, the work of the ministry, the work that he's going to do in the work of judgment in the last days, is simply to reveal the height, depth, length, and width of Christ, revealing his name, the revealing of Jesus Christ, the only true God in eternal life. It is a work of judgment. Judgment laid to the line, righteousness to the plummet. Judgment laid to the line is the length and width of Christ. Righteousness to the plummet is that he is God, made himself of no reputation. That's the height and depth of Christ and went back to his former glory. So the height, depth, length and width of Christ will be revealed through judgments. All the judgments of God that will be manifest in the earth is for but one reason. And that is the revealing of, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That he is the only true God in eternal life and there's not another. There is no trinity. There is no binary two-ness. There is no oneness where he's standing on the right hand of God. He is set down with the Father in his throne, the blessed and only potentate, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent spirit of God, the man Christ Jesus. In his humiliation, he was a man. In his glorification, he is the father of glory. The length and width that we are now sons and daughters of God through the work of the ministry, through the work of that cross, through the shed blood of the perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God. Not redeemed with corruptible things, but the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ. This salvation is sure and is steadfast in the work of the ministry that we see there in Genesis 3 that immediately after the fall we find that God speaks to the serpent who had initiated this sin, this disobedience and says to the snake, I'll put enmity between you and a woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Not her heel, his heel. Genesis 3.15 is the first proto-evangel, the first messianic promise. Then we find the Lord starting the, the work, starting the work by setting cherubim at the east end of the garden of God and a flaming sword turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. Somebody said, well, it's to guard it. No, it's not to guard anything. God doesn't need his holiness guarded. It's to keep the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only propitiation for our sin. It's the only justification in that by faith through perfected forever them that are sanctified by one and one offering for all. And the cherubim is a key. There in Genesis 3, he said cherubim, capital C, at the east end of the garden of God with a flaming sword turning every which way. Now we know the sword is the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. But the cherubim, we're told it's angels. We just totally disagree. Because we're going to find in Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, these living creatures, these cherubim of glory. But the capital C, cherubim, will show that there is a lion, man, ox, and eagle. There was four horns that frayed the earth, and God raised up four carpenters to rebuild it. Well, who, who are the four carpenters? Well, to rebuild 
Jesus is building up his own house, his own temple, which temple the body of Christ is. And that four carpenters is the lion, man, ox, and eagle, Jesus Christ himself, and the four gospels showing the literal majesty, glory, and the attributes of Jesus Christ. We find him, the lion of the tribe of Judah in Matthew. We find our Lord Jesus, the perfect, spotless, blameless man, perfect man, in the gospel according to Mark. We find a gospel according to Luke that he is the ox, the suffering servant. An increase comes by the strength of the ox. And then we find in John, the flying eagle. Lion, man, ox, and eagle. There is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the cherubim, revealed. There we see that we, as the body of Christ, we look at these faces. It shows the four faces, lion, man, ox, and eagle, of Jesus Christ. But there's only one face, one man, Christ Jesus and that's the reason we see in Ezekiel 1, verse 5, it comes down that these living creatures come out of a fire enfolding itself. And he sees visions of God in the 30th year of Ezekiel, the priest, son of Buzi. He saw visions of God, not Antichrist, not angels, visions of God. And coming out of that fire is a color of amber, the hottest fire there is. Coming out of that fire, we have one as the appearance of a man. Who is that man? The man is Christ Jesus. He's, he is that God. He is what Ezekiel is seeing in Ezekiel 1. But it's only at the age of 30 that Ezekiel sees this. Why? Because 30 is the price of blood. 30 pieces of silver for Jesus? Yes. But also 30 is a number for the priesthood, for the high priest. Because Numbers 4 tells us that the high priest takes his office at age 30. It is that time in Ezekiel's life, the priest, that he is age 30, and at that particular time, he's able to come into the priesthood. And he sees visions of God. We see Jesus starting his ministry in under the law at age 30. Why? Because he's our great high priest. He begins his ministry at age 30. And just as Ezekiel saw visions of God, the heavens were open and he saw visions of God. Well, when Jesus was baptized of John and Jordan, not to wash away his sins, but only to fulfill righteousness. Then at that time, coming after the order of Melchizedek, the heavens were opened and there was a dove that came down, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God and abode upon Jesus. And from that time forth, even though Jesus had the Holy Ghost and is the Holy Ghost and always has been the Holy Ghost, and God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him, even in the womb, where John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost whenever Elizabeth met Mary. Even then. But it was latent. He's not going to work salvation as spirit. He's going to work salvation as a man. Because by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin, therefore by one man, shall my servant make many righteous. Who is that servant? He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah 43.10 says that the Lord and that servant, that I am he. I am that servant. I am that man. Ezekiel sees the same thing. He said in Ezekiel 1, verse 5, they have the appearance of a man, but he sees visions of God. The man is God. But coming out of that fire, a fire enfolding itself, Holy Ghost fire, we see the appearance of a man. And then we see four living creatures. And these four living creatures 
there have the face of a lion, man, ox, and eagle, just as it was revealed after the fall in Genesis 3. Cherubim at the east end of the garden of God. East and the eastward in the word of God is the work of the Holy Ghost. It's, it has a gematria or, a, or a Bible numerics of 144 or an RMD 144, 12 squared, thousand, perfected glory. And that's the reason it's set the cherubim at the east end of the garden of God. This is the work of the Holy Ghost. God himself. And there we find these living creatures. And they have the same appearance as the capital C, cherubim, and a flaming sword, turning every which way, in Genesis 3, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That will be the way, the truth, and life revealed to us in the fullness of time where God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made and under the law, to redeem us that were under the law. There, in the lion, man, ox, and eagle, we have to see who are these living creatures. What is this work of the ministry? This strange work and this strange act. God has put the spirit of the world in their heart that they would not go know or consider the work of God from the beginning to the end. We have to get the spirit of the world out of our heart. For all that love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that's of the world, the pride of eye, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. The world passes away with the lust thereof, but whosoever doeth the will of God, works at a company's salvation, shall abide forever. Well, God has shown forth his glory. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Well, wait a minute. Jesus Christ, the man is, is he is emptied out of glory. He has laid aside, the Spirit of God has laid aside his glory totally to work salvation as a man alone. But the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ, even though he's in a humble state. The man is God, always has been God, and always will be God. But to work salvation as a man, he lays aside his glory, makes a spirit of no reputation, not some reputation, no reputation. Philippians 2, 6, to work salvation for us as a man. And we find in 2 Corinthians 3, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we, somebody said, well, that's good. It's in Jesus. Yes. But now watch, how, watch how God then turns it to his body, his brethren the sisters in God, the, the sons and daughters of God, how God does that. How does he do it? How does he allow man to participate in his glory? How are we walking in the power of his might? How is this attributed to us by faith? How does that work? Well, God has shown forth his glory in the face of, of Jesus Christ. Well, somebody said, well, that's good. That's Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the body of Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels? Yes. Why? That the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. In other words, all glory goes to God. For we can do nothing by ourselves. Only as we abide in him, can we do anything? So now he says, the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. So the faith glorifies God. Who gave us a measure of faith? He did. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's a righteousness, not of the law. By the works of the law, no flesh shall be saved. But what's the works there that accompany salvation? It's the righteousness of God by faith that we might win Christ, run a race that we might win. Don't we know all of us run in a race, but only one winneth the prize. One being one with the Lord. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. 
Well, who are these? This body of Christ that's coming into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that will look like Christ, walk like Christ, walk in the light as he's in the light, having fellowship one with another, blood flow, where the faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another in all of our persecution and tribulation that we endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment, judgment of God. Why? To reveal Jesus and Jesus alone in and through us. Paul put it this way, trouble on every side, but not in distress, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's the cross in your life to bring forth Jesus in you. For the flesh must be crucified for the spirit of God to, to manifest through you. Just as Jesus in the days of his flesh, his, our captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings, showing us the way, the truth, and life. So we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Well, that is exactly what he said in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what there's four faces. Lion, man, ox, and eagle. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Showing the four faces of Jesus. That's the reason you have the Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They show the four faces of the man who is God. Ezekiel 1. And he goes on and says, He's shown forth this glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Then, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the fire might be of God and not of ourselves. How does that work? We all with open face, you have to open your heart. You have to literally contend for that faith. You have to study, show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you can only do that through the Holy Ghost. Dividing what is spirit and soul that only the Holy Ghost can lead and guide a believer in. Not dividing the Word of God by taking a page out and throwing out a way out of the Word of, word of God. No. Rightly dividing is, is Jesus talking spirit? Is he talking soul? Body? Is, this, is he means in the natural or is it spiritual? And it is only revealed through the spirit by that, by the Holy Ghost leading us and guiding us into all truth. So we all with open face, we have to have our face open. Beholding is in a glass, the glory of the Lord. How do you behold that glory? In the word of God, the Logos. Your loins girt about with truth, Logos. We behold his glory there as in a glass. Beholding is in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We're changed into the same image. How are you changed? Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's servants of God that obey God. It's our reasonable service. We're servants to God now. Where we were servants to the flesh, now we're servants unto God. Bought with a price. We're not our own. He owns us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we present, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We're servants of God. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed, a transformation by the renewing of your mind in the soul realm. That is your mind, will, emotions, imagination, and intellect. Set it all and your affections upon that which is above, not the things beneath. Why? Why would you do that? So I said, well, you've already been saved. You're on your way to heaven. Well, why do you... Study to show yourself approved unto God. If you're already there, why does uh, Paul admonish your brethren? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
Take that cross. Follow Jesus. Crucify your, the flesh with the affections and the lust. Bring your body into subjection. Crucifying it daily. Dying to yourself. Lest when you preach to others, you yourself become a castaway. Bringing in subjection, everything to the Holy Ghost, to God himself. Well, he says there, I beseech you, brethren, the body of Christ. So he's talking to the ones that are saved, that are born of the water and the spirit. To do what? Well, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. It's God's mercy. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Your body's a living sacrifice. It means you're going to live for God and do His will rather than your own will. Holy and acceptable unto God. That is that you're a chaste virgin to God. You don't uh, whore around with any other spirit that's not God. You add to your faith virtue. Become a virtue, a virtuous, sober, vigilant servant of God. That virtue... Then you add to your virtue, knowledge. Grow in knowledge, O Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now people perish for lack of knowledge. And then from knowledge, then we have to go on to, because we're not perfect yet. But it is a process of sanctification. And he has already perfected for them, forever them that are sanctified. And he said, you sanctify yourself holy. You've got to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You've got to add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience. Patience, godliness, the God life, living the God life. And then godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. Charity, not just love, but love, charity is love based in doing the will of God. Based in the word. And obedience. Obedience unto holiness. You're back to Romans 6 again. Whosoever you yield your members to servants to obey, and with the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Unto holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And we're made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. By him that knew no sin became sin that we might be made righteous in, by, and through Christ Jesus our Lord. For the righteousness is by him, in him, and through him. That is Jehovah Tendiskunu, the Lord our righteousness. Well, how do we do that? We're presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Not conformed to this world, but ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're getting the mind of Christ. And it's finally, in the final analysis, we receive that seal in Revelation 7 in sealing the servants that have done this, that have presented their bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable servants, service, servants of God. And we're sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. That's the mind of Christ. Those are the ones that have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. They have been renewed in their mind, looking at the perfect law of liberty and being obedient to it. Not a forgetful hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. For a double-minded man don't, do not think that a double-minded man will receive anything from God. Well, why is that? Because in Romans 12, 1, by you, by your body's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, be not conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, a renewed mind, the mind of Christ, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you is, to be accepted, to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in the Constitution, what constitutes the kingdom of heaven? He says in Matthew 7, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. What? Because no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. These are born-again believers. Not only are they born again, they're little children. They've known the Father. They call him Lord, Lord, Jehovah God Almighty. 
you're the father of glory. But still, some will not be able to enter in because they did not do the will of God. How do you know the will of God? Because the word of God is strong in you and you've overcome the wicked one. You're young men. You've grown from little children to young men. By doing that, you have proved what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you is for God's working in you, working in you right now, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, not of ours. That's the reason Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself. Don't feel, you know, it's not a soul or how to feel good about self. It's crucifying the self-will. That, oh, God loves you, blesses you, going to give you houses and land and cars. No. No. Crucify your flesh. Put the cross in your life. Because only those are Christ that have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. In 1 Peter 4.1, it tells us very plainly, Peter's epistle, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, God laid aside his glory, took on a body of flesh and blood, and in the days of his flesh, suffered for us in the flesh, not for himself, for us. Be ye therefore likewise minded. We're supposed to have that same mind of Christ? Yes. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So we read the book of the Revelation, and it scares people. They want to try to get out saying there's a pre-trib rapture, where there's not, or a mid-trib, where there's not. You're going to the end of the world, amen. He's with you until the end of the world. Matthew 28, 19. During that time, you said, well, look at all the judgments of God, people dying. Yes. But during that time, your flight's in the winter. It's on the Sabbath day. Where you fly into the wilderness, where you have a place prepared of God, where you're nourished from the face of the serpent for a time, times the dividing of a time, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days. So the greatest time ever in the glory to be revealed in and through the body of Christ is now in these last days. God is doing it right now. And these living creatures, these cherubim of glory, little c, are in the likeness and the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's what you're called for. That's what I'm called for. For whom he did foreknow. He foreknew you. He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he did predestinate, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, them he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not something less. Because he's coming back for a church without spot, without blemish. A bride that has made herself ready in the perfect image of Jesus Christ. He has given us the power of God to do that, the Holy Ghost. To lead us and guide us into all truth. The living creatures are the cherubim. They're not angels. They're the church of the living God that's gone on to a higher glory. Not babies, not, not newborn babes born of the water and spirit. They're not little children that know that Jesus is the Father. They are young men that have overcome the wicked one because the word of God is strong in them. They're overcomers. And you read about that in Revelation, the second and third chapter. God is doing that now. The cherubim of glory we're going to see as you follow the podcast with us. And please tune in. Let us hear from you. Give us your comments. And that we're going to see in Ezekiel that the glory of the Lord is going to come from the threshold of the house, from the threshold over the body of Christ, but not just the whole body of Christ, the body of Christ that have gone higher in glory than newborn babes, than little children, unto young men. 
They're the overcomers. They're the ones that's doing the will of God. And to him that overcometh, he will grant, and he tells you what he will give you, your reward, in Revelation, the second and third chapter. To him that overcometh, will I give a rod to rule all the nations as a vessel of a potter shall there be beaten to shivers. I'll give him the morning star, etc., etc. Then the overcomers, that we see what they are, in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. We see where we're seated together in heavenly places with four and twenty seats. Which are four and twenty elders. Which is indicative of the church. Made to set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That as he is, so are we now in this present world. Not going from just Pentecostals. We're going on into Tabernacleist. The fullness of the glory of Jesus Christ. Then we see there are four living creatures. Four and twenty seats, four and twenty elders, yes. Then there are four living creatures, four beasts. These are Zoe, Z-O-E, living creatures that are the same as we read in Ezekiel 1. In Ezekiel 10, these are the cherubim, Ezekiel said, that I saw by the river Kibar. There we find that they sing the song of the redeemed. The four and twenty elders and the four beasts, the four living creatures, sing the song of the redeemed. Revelation 5. So the cherubim are not angels. They're not the nine order of angels and, and all that kind of nonsense. The angels desire to look into this, but they cannot. Jesus did not take on him the nature of angels. He took on him the seed of Abraham. We're made a little lower than the angels right now, yes. Hebrews 2 tells us, or as much then as the children... There were a protector of the flesh and blood. He also likewise himself took part of the same. Then all things he's made like his brethren. But there he has set him over the work of his hands. Made him a little lower than the angels. But now we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. What? Crowned with glory and honor. How much glory? The glory of the Father. Glorified by the Father's own self, John 17, 5. All power in heaven and earth given to him, Matthew 28, 18. He is both Lord and Christ, Acts 2, 36. That same Jesus whom you crucified, that man, God hath made him. That all that house of Israel know assuredly, that man you crucified, God hath made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus said so in John 2, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. No man can raise up his own body except he be God. The Jews said 40 and 6 years was this temple in building, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Jesus spake of the temple of his body. Now who's the temple? You are. What? No, you're not. No, you're not. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, we see the work of the ministry is a strange work. We're seeing it's a strange act. It's judgment to the line righteousness to the plummet to show the length, width, height, and depth of Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ in and through the body of Christ. Ultimately, the consummation being with the Lord himself descending from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, which we, which, when we are alive and remain, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. You get First Thessalonians 4.17. We're saying now that God is putting this body together, bone to bone, in whichever joint, a joint is two bones coming together, whichever joint supplies, compacted together, whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself, the building up of itself in love through the supply of the Spirit. Here's where we are right now. So the cherubim of glory are not newborn babes. 
They are not little children. They are young men that will go on to fathers and know him that's from the beginning and will be the ones receiving the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7, being able to stand in the last days. Through these judgments of God, the seals, trumpets, and vials, the vials weren't filled with the wrath of God for one reason. Thy judgments are made manifest in the earth. All shall know it from the least to the greatest that Jesus Christ is the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty, to the glory of the Father. He's glorified with the Father's own self. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. We will talk more on these cherubim. The work of the ministry. It is the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. These are the ones going to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the full glory. Tune in. Don't miss us. There we want to hear from you. God's putting the body together. We have an enormous amount of people, believers, pastors, ministers, all over the world. It's time for America. We need to hear from you. All over Africa right now. All over India. All over Australia. All over Nepal. And we have a few here in the United States. We need to wake up in the United States. Let us hear from you. God's doing this now right now to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or drop us a line, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. And we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line. Any questions, we will be our do our best to answer. But God's moving in a great move right now. The body of Christ come together in the new thing. Remember, we love to hear from you. Pray for us. And remember, it's only through your generous offerings that we're able to bring the podcast to you. If God moves on you, you believe it, then and only then do you pray for us and give according as God has blessed you, and I know he'll bless you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.